1: Welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee and with me is Paul Doroshenko.
0: It's been a while since I was on the Driving Law podcast and well, I was you
1: hosted the Driving Law I know, Podcast and, for two weeks.
0: And did you notice that I almost said hello the way that you said hello? I did. I, I did that not not mocking you, it's just that you're very consistent about it. Each time, at the beginning of each show, you always start off with, Hello, I'm well, Kyla Lee.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to be consistent in your approach.
0: Well, I guess. That's good. You're very consistent. Yeah, well... Day in, day out. You're working hard. Day
1: out. I'm working hard. And I am not working as hard as money launderers in BC. What the heck is up with this?
0: Well, they weren't working hard. That's the whole idea. They were working working less than the rest of us. The rest of us hard, hard tax paying people... Uh, getting screwed while these other people are uh, are earning cash, laundering cash through casinos, laundering cash through houses, laundering cash through apparently high-end cars.
1: Yeah, so we have talked about this, you and I, a couple times. I tried to get Sam Cooper on the podcast to talk about it, but he can't. Um, they won't let him? They won't let him, yeah. He was willing to do it, but they won't let him, which is a shame, but... Who knows? Maybe now. that the Maybe mic he
0: wasn't. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's just blaming his employer. Maybe. maybe he didn't want to come on. There can be all sorts of different reasons.
1: You're right. Maybe. Maybe he, he was, just was being in polite.
0: the middle of a really important investigation and, you know, didn't want he to do take it. Take
1: half an hour out of his day to.
0: But they, this is interesting. We were. Um... But
1: we also. I also asked David Eby about it. Yeah. This is what I was getting to, when David Eby appeared on the podcast. I asked him about you know, money laundering and cars. And he knew very little at that point in time about what entirely was going on. And well, now... obviously
0: they had an inkling because they decided oh. to investigate it, but yes. they also investigated the racetrack and found nothing. Um, well, at sure, least but the racetrack is the obvious place. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know.
1: I'm going to have money. I'm
0: going to go now, to the races. Now, uh, we, you know, we talked about this on your podcast and we also uh, were at a Chamber of Commerce um, lunch where David Eby spoke. That was a coming up one like 10 months ago or eight months ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, there was also at our table, some people from like the motor dealers or something like that. And they were concerned about their industry being singled out. (laughs) Um, And and I, I started to wonder if it was just, you know, if this was the, they already went and got the, the significant thing, which is the casinos and looked into that and came back and discovered that. And that, really in housing we know you know the whole west side of Vancouver has been used much of it has been used as a money laundering mecca um yeah, the see, Vancouver model
1: I I remember that and I remember also not being very sympathetic to the car dealers being concerned that their industry is being singled out because as lawyers we have so many obligations when it comes to taking money from people and verifying our clients identities And you know, at least making reasonable inquiries um, in relation to funds that are being deposited into our trust accounts.
0: Well, people are very suspicious about it, and every once in a
1: while, you
0: you hear a lawyer who who's done something wrong, and it's always big news and held out as the uh, as the sort of you we've got to overregulate we've got to regulate lawyers more but
1: the reality is that the lawyers who are doing something wrong and that are finding are finding themselves in that position aren't following the established rules set by the law society to prevent people from laundering money
0: in the first place yeah
1: and so i i think that i had no sympathy for the car dealers because there were literally no restrictions on them you could walk in there with like two duffel bags filled with cash and drive away with two McLarens, and it was like great for you.
0: And ship them out of the country, and then and get a, get a PST and then rebate. get a PST rebate.
1: How can I cannot believe this? Eighty five million dollars in PST rebates. I
0: know, I know.
1: How many cars are being shipped out of our country? I mean, and and also.
0: Well, I bet there's been a lot. I bet there's been a lot. Somebody just uh, sent me a tweet of of. Uh, the, uh, Korean president's Mercedes, uh, um, limousine and that Mercedes doesn't know how he got it. And, uh, I, you know, I wrote back, I bet dollars to donuts it came through Vancouver and I wasn't joking. It mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me one bit that it came through Vancouver. No,
1: probably not. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of cases. It's actually interesting because I read the published decisions on the BC Supreme Court website and the BC Court of Appeal website in my spare time. <laughs> What else am I going to do with my spare time? Um, there is You don't
0: have spare time, Kyla. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Um, there's an increase in the number of cases that are being reported out of our superior level courts involving... Fraudulent schemes to export cars from Canada to China.
0: Well, and lawsuits about the car being missing. The car
1: going missing, the car showing up and it's not the same car, the car showing up and it's in bad condition. um, I suppose. Importation fees that China charges not being paid.
0: Those are the cars that have been that were paid for, um, not the ones that were stolen.
1: Well, yeah, the <laughs> ones that were stolen, nobody's filing nobody's a lawsuit filing a
0: about. lawsuit about.
1: And the ones that are are the money laundering ones, though, have to encapsulate some of those.
0: Oh, guaranteed, guaranteed.
1: So we're not just talking about you know eighty five million dollars out of the pockets of taxpayers and out of revenue that. I don't know, could have offset uh, some of ICBC's gigantic debt. Dropping a bucket, really, but...
0: Uh, hip surgeries.
1: Hip surgeries. Um, Eye
0: surgeries for children.
1: Some more classrooms for all those overcrowded schools. Who knows? Um, we're talking about the increased cost to our justice system in the litigation involved in people's ridiculous money laundering schemes that are taking place because car dealers don't have to follow any but, rules.
0: Kyla, think of the tax revenue they got with the housing prices doubling in a matter of a, a few years. They got so much more. What, uh, you mean
1: $800 in property transfer tax?
0: Property transfer tax. And then they got the, the city got more uh, property tax because they were paying so much more. And if you lived in the west side and. a house that was suddenly worth $3 million that you bought you know, you know, 20 years ago for $400,000. You've got this ridiculous tax bill because these people are laundering money in Dunbar homes. I realize <laughs> you're being
1: sarcastic, but I just like, I can't even
0: really. Oh, I know. I know. Well, they, they, they got more tax revenue. So you have to think like the BC Liberals were looking, aside from the fact that I suspect that uh, the BC Liberals were on the take, um
1: well that's a well they can't sue you. The BC Liberal Party cannot sue you for you saying the BC Liberal Party was on the take.
0: That's true. Um aside <laughs> from the fact that I think the BC Liberal Party was on the take, um you know the uh the they did enjoy tremendous revenue as a result of um the um the taxes that they were bringing in on provincial sales tax for uh builders buying all of that stuff PST and then and then property transfer tax yeah. big money
1: I still don't think that that justifies the enormous costs that there's been to society
0: oh it's terrible
1: it's horrible
0: the de- detrimental downside costs for people I mean so <laughs> many so many people in Vancouver and the lower mainland are just discouraged with life they find it an inhospitable place because of the cost of housing
1: well I mean not to air your dirty laundry or anything here, but weren't you last night, like, texting me about your, you know, crippling depression?
0: Oh, well, thanks, Kyla. <laughs>
1: that's you were, I, you that's, were having a moment. That's
0: because I had to get up at yeah. five in the morning. I, you had to, to get up
1: at five in the morning to help me out with something, I know. But you were having a moment. Thanks a lot. I've had moments. Yeah. I think I cried the other day because I was never going to get a house.
0: Oh, well... You probably will get a house at the rate they're dropping, $70,000 a month on average. The houses in Dunbar are dropping right now. Know,
1: but if you do the math, like still the down payment. Still, if, if you take 70000 a month over a year, that's $700,000. So it's no, $3.4 no, million. Kyla, dollars. Kyla,
0: they're losing yeah. $70,000 a month in value right now.
1: I know, on the west side. but if you take 70000 a month and you do that over a year on a $3.4 million house, I still can't afford the down payment.
0: That's on average. There's $1.2 million houses that are losing $30,000 a month. And then there's, I mean, you take a look, I bet it's more than $70,000 right now. There's and houses that are selling for half of what their value was the point two is, years ago.
1: There's a terrible cost to society. Paul Doroshenko, fam- famous lawyer. How many media interviews have you done this week?
0: I don't know, fifteen.
1: Yeah, and how many houses do you own?
0: I'm not going to discuss all the houses that I <laughs> no, own. Oh
1: yeah, the millions of houses you own. They're all Airbnbs,
0: right? Uh, no. <laughs> Look, I I mean I've got a uh, I've got to enjoy the benefit of prices going up on the properties I own. I would prefer the prices were down because mm-hmm. I just think that it's damaging to the market. You need
1: people and, in the community.
0: Well, and the thing is, even if you you know if you live in a uh, you live in a 1.5 million dollar house and you would like to move your house has gone up to 1.5 million dollars from from 900,000 that you paid for it you'd like to move you can't move you know sell your house first of all is very risky cuz the you know you might uh, you might end up in a situation where you buy a house that's more expensive and then the house loses 30% or 40% of its value. But also like the house that you aspired to was $1.2 million when you bought your $750,000 house and now it's like $4 million. Mm-hmm. So you, it's beyond the capacity of anybody who's earning money lawfully unless you're you know, ridiculously wealthy, and there are you know, there are some very wealthy people oh, who sure. are attracted the Chip to British Wilsons Columbia.
1: And the, sure, but the, the, I mean, Gregor Robins. But the I
0: mean, the, the, you know, there was a time when lawyers and doctors could afford to buy a house in British Columbia, in Vancouver, rather, yeah. and lawyers and doctors can't do that, and they are still probably the highest uh, group of highest earners. Um, yet they can't do it because the tech
1: sector, but yeah, yeah,
0: but you're fighting your. Look, Hootsuite. But Hootsuite. I know, Hootsuite,
1: Vancouver-based Hootsuite is is failing.
0: That doesn't surprise me. They
1: can't keep people to work here because they can't because pay them the to live here. Yeah.
0: But the uh the point is that, you know, we're competing with foreign money that's not been taxed, that's been brought in, not you know, the people aren't paying taxes here, they're not working here, they're earning uh, their money on a somewhere else, and they bought the land to store their money, not necessarily to live in it, and they intend to sell it down the road and and take those profits. Meanwhile, it's putting people out of houses. And- which,
1: is a pro- which is fine because that's a problem that exists in lots of places, but, but we're factor not, in.
0: Housing is not the issue here. It's cars, Kyle. Exactly, is and driving that's what I'm
1: saying. Factor in the fact that you have these unregulated multi-hundred thousand dollar purchases <clears throat> that attract huge amounts of PST that is not ending up in the provincial coffers, to do the things, to fund the social programs that allow people to live here and to make the cost of living more affordable, where the government can say, you know, we've got all this excess tax revenue, so we can offset some of these costs and make it easier for people to afford to live in the city.
0: But back to selling cars, okay, it is really easy to put regulations on car dealerships. They're already so heavily regulated. They're heavily regulated, but these are not difficult regulations. To control the way that that they're paid, um, and that yeah. they, you know, that it's sourced, um, and that it comes through a bank, you know, a bank draft.
1: Well, they also they recently put those regulations on people wanting to use cash at casinos. So they already have a model for how you can require somebody to provide verification of the source of their funds. So they just copy that and apply it to cars. They can make
0: it tighter for cars. It's not going to be difficult. No. Not going to be difficult at all.
1: No, you're already collecting all sorts of information about a person to do the transfer papers. So
0: it's going to make it hard. I mean, you know, devil's advocate, I guess, as a car dealer, I would say my concern is that it will discourage some sales, but, um, like you're discouraging the unlawful sales. So they're not going to get very far with that argument if that's their complaint The other complaint would be more bureaucracy, more red tape, more paperwork. Uh, That in itself discourages some sales. I don't think that's going to discourage legitimate sales a whole lot. Um, It's a pain in the ass buying a car. And that paperwork is mostly actually the car dealers adding things like paperwork fee, uh, delivery charge. I mean, all those ridiculous, stupid things that are just a scam. Um, I imagine if we went to court and we defended somebody on, on a speeding ticket and then we, you know, hit them. All. Okay. Well, here's the fee. This is what it costs. And, oh, here's the paperwork fee. And here's the delivery charge for us to go to there.
1: Actually, I think that's what lawyers <clears throat> who do hourly billing do.
0: Yeah, I guess they do. We don't do it that way. We do it flat rate. <laughs> I we don't saw, believe I once, in
1: it. I once saw a lawyer's bill that charged somebody for the stamp to mail them the bill. And I thought, you know, there's a line.
0: I know. The uh, I gave an interview today to CBC about um, Fido, the cell phone provider, uh, intends as of May fifteenth to charge people ten dollars if they phone into Fido for service help, like for That's something to relate to their phone. Ridiculous. Password, your password screwed up on your phone. It's not accepting it anymore. You phone FIDO, they will charge you $10. And, okay, we're really and, far away from driving. Well, my point is, well, cell phones are always connected to driving. <laughs> my point is, though, that, that um, some charges are so offensive, uh, and many of those lawyer charges I find so offensive. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, it just grates you and makes you, makes you does everything that we don't want to do. We want to encourage people to have confidence in lawyers and the justice system, and we want people to feel that lawyers are accessible. And when you get that bill and you've been charged for the stamp to mail you the bill, uh, that, that undermines the confidence in lawyers, in my view.
1: Yeah. Well, right now, I think the public's confidence is also undermining car dealers. And they are a profession that, writ large, has been characterized as sketchy. You know, there's always that, you know smarmy car salesman character in in sitcoms or or tv shows nobody
0: likes the car salesman because people get the car home and then they have buyer's remorse or you know then they feel that they got ripped off with the paperwork fee or whatever because you go in there and you ask for the price and then yeah,
1: but i guess you get the
0: price and it's never the price that you you know, even that you negotiated on. And if you're people, if
1: you're laundering four hundred thousand dollars through through a McLaren, the the four hundred dollar paperwork fee is just the cost of doing business, though. So I guess
0: the McLaren is going to end up being the symbol of money laundering in Vancouver.
1: Yes, well, there was that uh, McLaren this week that was tweeted out by the uh, was it Cetus guy RCMP that was impounded for doing one hundred and sixty, and
0: it was gold.
1: It was gold, shiny gold. Yeah,
0: like a big yeah. gold decal over it with so, an N. Uh, and I saw one similar to that the other day. I don't know if it was a McLaren. I can't remember what it was, but it was silver. So it was like the whole thing was chromed, but it was just a one big decal basically over it.
1: All right, so that's what kind of nonsense is going on with car dealers in BC now. How does the government get revenue, I don't know, take it out of the pockets of drivers by creating some more nonsense? I mean...
0: Are you talking about the the speed speed cameras? cameras? How is that nonsense, Kyla? They've picked 35 intersections out of 145. Okay, they are relatively reliable speed testing equipment. They are setting them so they're only ticketing people who are going 30 kilometers an hour over through the intersection. No,
1: sorry. Sorry. I misread that. Oh. This is... Yes, I didn't tell you Oh,
0: well, great. I was on CBC today and I quoted you. You're wrong.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Um, Between 2012 and 2016, um, ISC sites in BC reported an average of 10,500 vehicles a year going at least 30 kilometers per hour over the posted speed limit as detected by red light cameras, which already monitor speeds. So they already saw that there were people going 30 over. But today... In his press release, Mike Farnworth said that to discourage high speeds at those 35 locations, neither the government nor the police will disclose the speed threshold that will trigger the new cameras. A little Let's,
0: bird told me. A little, a little bird, bird told you. me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sure a bird told you lots of things. A little but we bird can't told me. Say what birds told you on this podcast. A mm.
0: bird told me that it will be at more than 10 kilometers an hour, so it's not going to be like Edmonton.
1: Well, you can't, it it can't be less than five kilometers, less than 10 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. You're not going to get a, an intersection camera triggered at You'd 60 in a 50 zone. There'd be public uproar. There would be rioting that's, in the street.
0: That's why. It would
1: be led by SenseBC. <laughs> that's,
0: that's why. Well, it was, you know...
1: No, but I'd think be about out. In the,
0: th- I'd be out rioting with them. I Not rioting. I'd be standing at the front, carrying a peaceful sign.
1: I'd probably be out there too. I mean, that's absurd. Everybody's going twenty over in most of those intersections all of the time in the lower mainland. So I, that to me is just ridiculous. But
0: I no. think you're probably good at fifteen. I think you're pre- pretty safe at fourteen kilometers out, an hour over the speed limit.
1: What irks me about that, from a very technical legal standpoint is how can government pass a law creating a legal standard with an em- enforcement threshold and punishment by way of a fine. I know that's not the punishment in the legal sense of the terms. That's the second time I've used punishment in the non-legal sense today. Um, but with a punishment, a fine that gets mailed to people where the police and the government are not telling you what that standard is. How can you be expected to comply with a law if you don't know the parameters of compliance?
0: The parameter for compliance, Kyla, is that you drive within the speed limit. If it's 50 kilometers an hour, you do not exceed 50 kilometers an hour. You drive at 50 or 49.
1: You're still entitled to know what's being enforced.
0: The problem is that we all accept that every speed-measuring device is going to have some margin of error, Mm -hmm. and the margin of error is probably 10%. And so I would imagine that everybody can assume that it's safe to be driving at 50 kilometers an hour and that their speedometer will not be out more than the the speed-testing device.
1: The other problem with it, though, constitutionally... Is that you have a right to disclosure, and if your your ticket, your charge, your offense is being triggered upon a camera measuring you at a certain speed, at or above that certain speed, you have a constitutional right to disclosure of what that speed is so that you can verify in making your arguments in court that you were properly punished using that enforcement mechanism.
0: But it's going to tell you what your speed was.
1: But it's not going to tell you whether or not the camera is supposed to trigger at that speed. And that goes directly to your, whether or not the device is working properly. You correctly.
0: and your constitutional, at least these things don't even show up on your driving record. As it far as matter. I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Photo radar was found unconstitutional.
0: Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that's wrong. Um, I think this is mm-hmm. basically, this is like the low end of administrative. Um, and I think if it's, uh, if it's not unreasonable, I mean, if they said well, it, at,
1: they say you get more conservative as time goes on. I never thought I'd hear Paul Doroshenko being like, eh, it's look, fine. It's look, administrative. They, it they said go they're going to put up
0: big signs at the intersections.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, and you're going to have people slamming on their brakes when they see the big signs, slowing down to unsafe speeds, other vehicles passing them because they're, you know, people who can afford the cost of the ticket or are willing to take the risk, assuming that it's going to be set, you know, artificially high. And you're going to create more chaos at the intersection.
0: You're, you're... (laughs) You, right. I'm right. No, you have you're no not. You are absolutely doing your best to make this sound like like the end of the world and yes. it's not. It is It's a, not the end of the world. My problem is different. My problem is this is a slippery slope. This is the beginning. I don't want to be governed by a robot. I don't want a robot to be issuing me tickets. I don't want it, like I'm 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 feeling like less and less of a human all the time. We are Essentially, like, okay, we're humans, we're animals. We were hunter-gatherers for everything up until, like, a few thousand years ago, and the people who were here, the indigenous people, were hunter-gatherers up until a hundred years ago. And we're not designed to live in a society like this, and I really don't feel that we're designed to live in a society where we're governed by machines, and I feel like it's a machine takeover. And I do not want to be told what to do, by a machine owned by the government. I don't want to be governed by a machine owned by the government. I don't want to be found guilty by a machine owned by the government. I find that fundamentally dehumanizing, and that is the thing that makes me angry about it. I am humiliated if I am pulled over by a police officer. It's been a long time, uh, but I recognize that there is a public interest in enforcement. Most of the police officers are pretty reasonable. These days in Vancouver, not so bad.
1: I just don't understand why they can't say what the number is. Why they're not disclosing it to people. Make a Freedom
0: of Information request.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. I know you will. <laughs> you know I will. I'm gonna write it right after we record uh-huh. this podcast. I, I, To me, refusing to disclose a fundamental piece of evidence is... It gets my cynicism antennas up
0: well i can still do it i'm going to take a bunch of cash go buy a mclaren and speed through all the intersections i can
1: well that's a really stupid way to spend your money paul
0: well maybe i'll be able i can sell it for cash that's true yeah Yeah,
1: then you can just launder it quick
0: buy some mclarens
1: probably turn a profit quick
0: buy some (laughs) (laughs) mclaren before the the big (laughs) clampdown uh
1: this is this is not legal advice clearly um okay so, speaking of, this transitions me. This has all transitioned very nicely today. This transitions me so into all another... all you do
0: is go speaking of.
1: Issue of disclosure. And that has to do with a debate that arose after our testing this weekend.
0: We had exciting testing. So, when we bought the Draeger Drug Test 5000, before it was an approved screening device... Of course, the government announced that it was going to be approved. That's complete bullshit when they do that. It's already a fait accompli. You know what's going to happen. We're in a
1: consultation period. Most
0: things, yeah. Most things of government I've learned are fait accompli. You wonder why there's no Uber? I'll tell you why there's no Uber right now. They're waiting until the construction is done at the Vancouver International Airport to also, be able to handle Uber.
1: Also, it's not going it's to be Uber. It's going to be Cater. And Whatever. I definitely know it's going to be Cater because they followed me on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Either way, it's not going to happen until the construction at the airport is done so it can handle it. Um, A lot of these things are just decided by somebody and you think that you're part of it in a a democracy, but you're not part of the discussion. Um, But in any event, yes. So here we are. Um, We bought the Drager Drug Test 5000 and uh, we got it back to the office and we looked at it and Kyla looked at me and said, now we've got to get some people to do some tests on this. And luckily, we were on an airplane, and uh, it turns out um, one of the people who was basically equipped, probably the best equipped person in Canada to do the tests, uh, an independent person, uh, was sitting behind us and uh, flying back from a conference. And uh, so we discussed it at that point and decided to do it. And then we left it basically to... Um, the, uh, experts with toxicologists, a toxicologist, uh, uh, person who's working on their PhD in pharmacy, they organized all of the tests. We got some test subjects and cannabis. Yeah. We
1: got, we and, got warm bodies. And Very ba- nice warm bodies. And
0: we basically weren't they there they for most of it. Um, for a lot yeah. of it. We were the there on Sunday. Yeah. I wasn't
1: even there. Yeah.
0: Well, I wasn't there either. I was in court, um, running around, but the, um.
1: I was in court in Calgary. Uh,
0: yeah. Congratulations. Um. On what? Is it done? Oh, no. it's not done yet. Oh, I think you'll succeed <laughs> still, on that. You'll I, maintain I your hundred percent success rate in Alberta. Um, the uh,
1: not going down without swinging.
0: Yeah. Uh, in any event, so we did these tests, and uh, we didn't do the test. The other the experts who came along did the test, but we were you know participating here and there and observing here and there, uh, and as we were doing it, I was tweeting some of the funny things, like the fact that I got a, uh, a positive for op- opioids um, after, uh, eating a poppy, lemon seed, poppy seed, lemon cake. poppy seed loaf. Uh, and then one, one cup of tea, coca tea. Yeah. You know, uh, I got a positive for cocaine and, um,
1: we has had a, a completely cannabis naive subject, uh, never used any cannabis products ever in their life who put less than half a milliliter of CBD oil which itself contains less than 1% THC by volume. So less than 1% of that half a milliliter was THC. So nothing basically. And um, that individual had a positive result for cannabis.
0: Now there's a lot of things that were recorded that we didn't see. Uh, Those were just the things that Kyla and I happened to be there for it to be observed or somebody... There's a lot of (laughs)
1: results we don't even know about that are coming once the crunching of the data is being completed by the scientists and
0: there was blind aspects of it like that the certain people had different roles so we yeah. didn't you know one person who was doing drug recognition evaluation for example didn't was know a,
1: whether people were dosed
0: were dosed yeah so w- w- it's been fairly i mean as rigorous as we could be bearing in mind the fact that these cassettes are 30 dollars each yeah. and we went through almost 50 almost 50 of them and yeah. and i'm the one foot in the bill for that uh, so the uh, it was a, it was an interesting thing, but of course I tweeted um, my poppy seed fail oh. and uh, then my um, coca, co- tea coca- fail. cocaine fail, <laughs> and um, I've never used cocaine in my life. Um,
1: and it got the attention of And it got the attention the of the
0: media. And the media went crazy. I was surprised. It turned it was... into
1: like a, basically a national news story. Yeah,
0: I didn't think it would be such a big story.
1: Which, it was wonderful. I and mean, I was glad that lots of people were paying attention to it because it's information the public needs to know. But as a result of it becoming such a huge news story, it also caught the attention of Drager.
0: Well, I would expect that they'd been paying attention to us from the beginning.
1: Oh, of um, course.
0: You know, I contacted them. Off the start, I thought, you know what, good faith. I'm going to try and buy one directly from you. I I, I like Draeger as a company. I admire a lot of the stuff that they've done. Um, oh, the
1: I, uh, I heard a story about Drager from somebody who shall go unnamed for now, um, but we're going to have a bigger discussion about Drager in the future.
0: No, I mean, but I there's there's aspects of Draeger that I like. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the fact that they used uh, forced labor in the Second World War. There's other things they've done that have been very impressive. And if, you've, um, if you work in the mining industry, you probably use Drager equipment. If you work in a hospital, you probably use Draeger equipment.
1: Yes, you may not have wanted to use that Draeger equipment though.
0: You had no choice because that's all that's available. Mm-hmm. In any event, um, caught the uh, caught Draeger. Um, and of course, I contacted them originally and um, maybe I would have felt more positive about them had they been willing to sell us a unit.
1: This is the thing. But I
0: don't know. I don't know. I think I've still come at it. I still think I come at it relatively objectively because I'm not like I'm, you know, I own the machine now. Yeah. You know. I'm aware. I, I, I've used it. Well, we bought it basically <laughs> together. Um, but the, um, the, I own the machine and, you know, it's useful for me if that device is used in defending clients. Like yeah. I'm not discouraging police forces from buying it, but I'm also not discouraging them from buying it. If it's being used for the purposes of like a 24-hour driving prohibition, if it didn't show up on your driving record, I'd have no problem with
1: it. Yeah. I mean, you and I are going to have to talk about that another time. What I wanted to talk to you about was Dragger's reaction. Mm.
0: Um, Pretty funny, actually. Yeah. yeah,
1: Because they, I mean, the first thing they said is, you know, they phoned like, I don't know how many reporters, because I got like four or five follow-up requests from reporters about you know, the interviews I'd given and little dragger saying this now you don't have the law enforcement one. And I, the, that to me was so like, they don't know what we have because they didn't sell it to us. I know. And, and they're just assuming. And in fact, in the most recent article, which was published in the growth op, um, the dragger representative said, well, I assume because they were able to purchase it, that it was a, a medical one. Like, it's not, it's a law enforcement one.
0: Well, the the funny thing is that, I mean, we have all the manuals and instructions with it. It mm-hmm. lists all the tolerances for this particular device yeah. that we've got. And
1: this was their other claim. They're like, theirs has different tolerances. Theirs is set to zero tolerances in a, a workplace unit. No, it's not. I'm looking at the literature.
0: well, my favorite one was that I would have to have like fifty cups of that tea in order to get oh, yeah. a cocaine yeah. fail. If you
1: had fifty cups of that tea something
0: like that i I, I could be exaggerating. I don't remember yeah, they many, said you'd have to
1: they said you'd have to drink a lot of that tea, but you had one like cup. One, small I, one, cup. one small tea
0: one small teacup. cup yeah. and i and i I waited afterward i mean the 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 experts kept track of the timing and I don't remember what the timing is but I waited I think at least a half an hour after Yeah that. we
1: were looking at half hour um saliva retention periods.
0: Yeah and I got the cocaine fail so the um
1: it, it, or it didn't it
0: didn't look regular. You're
1: gonna have to come clean Paul.
0: No because I was tested <laughs> earlier in the day I, unless Better I went urine. went to the yeah exactly uh went to the bath. I, I didn't have cocaine when I was when I was positive for opiates I didn't have cocaine.
1: Yeah that's true.
0: The, so unless I went to the bathroom and did a line then, um,
1: <laughs> um and I was subject see, to the drug recognition now, evaluation. Now was going to say they listened to the podcast and they heard that and they conclude that what you did was go to the bathroom and yeah, do a line. Yeah,
0: probably. is not um, people
1: still say do a line?
0: I don't know. I'm just, yeah. that's an eighties thing. I've yeah. never, again, I've never done cocaine in my life, so. Um, I
1: didn't even drink the coca tea. Like I'm so far removed from having done cocaine that I didn't even. The
0: tea was delicious. The, um, I don't want to. I don't want to cast aspersions on the uh, tea manufacturer until we test it more. I don't feel that I'm casting aspersions on Drager actually ever. No, I'm just. It's
1: supposed to detect drugs. It detects drugs, so it does what it's supposed to do. The
0: problem is it doesn't do it in the way that we, we expect need. it to do it in Canadian law.
1: Yeah, and and that's the problem. I mean, fine. It, it gives a positive for coca tea. Coca tea is made from the same plant that cocaine comes from. That makes sense. Also, how people are able to sell coca tea in Canada blows my mind because it's totally illegal, but whatever. Um, it is. Is it? Yeah. The, any, it's illegal to possess any part of the coca plant. No, people that's, sell these that's ridiculous. retail stores.
0: It, it was delicious. It was lovely tea. Yeah. I didn't get high from it. it and was, it
1: helps with altitude sickness. So it, for probably helps hiking, with,
0: it probably helps with a lot of things. I'm glad it's available.
1: Yeah, anyway, I, I think it's one of those things where it's just never been enforced, ever, so it's not an issue. Again, you should know what the enforcement threshold is.
0: Ha
1: ha ha. Brought it back. Um, the um, So their device works. It just, you, you need such a significant deprivation period to ensure you're not getting false positives from remnants in the mouth that it's not going to work within the parameters set out in our legal system for roadside testing.
0: Because you you have to let people talk to a lawyer first, you have to get a warrant normally first, and the only way that you can do these types of tests is if you're doing it quickly, at which point you don't get to talk to a lawyer. And you don't get a warrant.
1: Yeah, and that those obligations are only suspended because everything is done quickly. But if you take and that reliable,
0: away, and and, and that reliably, it's it yeah. reasonably I mean, expected, highly expected to be reliable. You can
1: quickly and get false positives, as we've demonstrated, which is fine. The device is doing what it's supposed to do, but it's not doing it in the parameters that we need it. And all Draeger needs to do then is tweak their technology to see if they can develop a way to distinguish between you know, something that's in your saliva from recent consumption as opposed to something that's in your saliva from being excreted from your bloodstream.
0: My thing is I suspect that the people who are testing it for the manufacturer and the RCMP RCMP, are likely not as creative in thinking about how it plays out with weird circumstances as the roadside.
1: We had probably the most creative lawyer I know um Stephen for that Biss type of stuff. Stephen Biss, yeah. yeah. Like Stephen very, is great. Very technically creative.
0: We've spent actually quite a bit of time with Stephen. He came to Ottawa once when we were um you were yeah. presenting at the uh House of Commons and the um and we've you know originally met him at a conference and he's great. Uh he's a lovely guy, great lawyer, and man, is he ever um
1: so analytical
0: in his thinking. Yeah. Like he gets really intense he's very and then intense. he's like And then he's zeroing in on it, and then the question is, can he explain it to you, and can you hang on to it? And if you can hang on to it, and you can get to the end, holy shit, uh, he's thought it through at a level that very few people have. He's been thinking about it for a long time.
1: Like he applies these complex analytical propositions to complex scientific uh information and melds the two into into conclusions i really want to get him on the podcast to talk about measurement talk about focus
0: dude yeah we should have got him on but we were just so busy
1: well we were you were high on cocaine tea i may or may not have ingested some things myself
0: (laughs) i was not high
1: (laughs) you were high on poppy seed loaf (laughs) look it's your podcast
0: yeah it's poppy seed loaf i've been craving that poppy seed loaf for the last few days
1: meanwhile meanwhile dragger's like nobody's gonna get pulled over on poppy seed loaf because our device in Canada doesn't even test for opiates and so therefore it's not the same device. No, it's different programming. It's not programmed to register anything on the screen when it detects that. That's literally the only difference. Software. Yeah. We're not talking about a technological difference.
0: Or tolerances. The tolerances are the same in the Canadian one as uh, as the one that we've got. Um, it's just that ours detects opiates and apparently they're saying that they are programming the Canadian one to specifically omit that.
1: So the, the that's thing, a... the thing that gets me, Paul, is if they're going to be so uptight about the best that we were able to get our hands on and say that none of our research is valid because of that, which is nonsense. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's another way of putting it. Um. Which is complete nonsense. If they're going to do that, why don't they put their, you know, put their money where their mouth is, exercise a little bit of good faith, let us play with one.
0: Like, they don't even have to give give it
1: to us or sell it to us. They could literally just, like...
0: Lend us one for six weeks. Lend us one for
1: 24 hours, even. Yeah. I can do things in Twitter. I don't need to sleep.
0: Well, the other thing thing that got me is the... um, the uh, spokesperson from Drager, the comments that I've seen, and of course, like we they're give. They're so mean. No, hang on. That bothers you? Doesn't bother me at all.
1: Um, it's unnecessary.
0: It doesn't. I don't find them mean. I just find them like they're ridiculous. But the 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 thing that gets me about it is the. Uh, um, you know, we we are dealing with the media all the time. No big deal. Water off a duck's back. You know, acid off a duck's back. Um,
1: oil off a of duck's back. <laughs>
0: yeah, Bill oil off a of duck's back. Um, the <laughs> no, the the um, the thing that gets me is like in their technical material that came along with the device and the like the instructions that came along with it uh, and the instructions that came along with the uh, with the cartridges, the saliva test cartridges. Um, they concede a bunch of these things. They concede that, yeah, you're going to get some false positives and they concede that like we've tested it with chocolate and coffee and yeah. beer and, you know, these things, but like it's, it's impossible to think of all the things that people could, could have that could yeah, render a they false say, positive. We're,
1: we're not really sure. So we make this, you know, we make this suggestion that there should be a 10 minute deprivation period. Well, maybe what our research reveals is that there should be longer than a 10 minute deprivation period, in which case... Aren't they happy that we did all the work they didn't have time to do?
0: I think, yeah, I'm concerned actually. The deprivation period has me very concerned. Me too. Uh, because the, um, the poppy seed in my mind was likely still, um, remnants of that in my mouth, could have been caught in the mucus of my mouth, could have been caught, you know, but it's not a poppy seed, it's remnant of it. Um, you know, I, I drank some coffee in between, um, so i you know i i still don't think that it it would have been through my stomach digested into my saliva it had to be remnants in the mouth and yeah, well, we waited longer than their deprivation period
1: well i mean our our cbd subject was the perfect example of that because it couldn't possibly have been anything in that person's body Especially or in with their the bloodstream size of them and
0: when it, yeah
1: yeah it could not possibly have been and given the concentration of THC in what that person consumed.
0: Assuming that is an accurate level of THC because.
1: Well, fair enough.
0: I mean. How did they test it, the manufacturer? I mean, we bought all like government approved, government stamped cannabis products. So I don't know. I mean, who knows whether or not it's accurate. I I know that that is going to end up being a story that plays out over the coming years is people are going to find that the THC levels are not what's recorded on a lot of the a lot of the products
1: yes but we're doing the best we can with the resources available to us and the resources that we've been able to get our hands on and if companies that have access to what they claim are better resources are criticizing us for not using their resources then they need to make those resources available or they need to shut up
0: well, it's shameful. We talked about this maybe before when we talked about breathalyzers. It is shameful that we can't buy a police breathalyzer. It is shameful that we can't call Drager and say, you know, we want to buy one of these two, um, you know, we'll pay the same price the police are paying and they will not sell I'll it to
1: more. us. will pay more. In most instances, we would pay We'd pay more.
0: 10% more, 20% yeah. more probably, but they won't sell it to us. And that just causes everybody, anybody who hears that thinks to themselves, what are they hiding? And I hate the, what are they hiding argument, um, when but it comes really. to, but really like they their company selling the product and we're talking about the police. And they're saying and, like, it's
1: okay. It's going to be great for law enforcement. We'll prove it.
0: Yeah. But like literally, I mean, the, what are we hiding, uh, complaint is fine for you with what are you've got in your home. I don't want the police coming in without a warrant okay, that I don't buy the what are we hiding argument. But when we're talking about a company that's selling a product that's going to be used by law enforcement um, and that is going to lead to evidence that causes arrests to happen um, and charges to happen and things like that. And
1: revocation of driver's licenses and entries on people's driving records.
0: Exactly. And lengthy driving prohibitions and vehicle impoundments and you name it. You know, and they won't show it to us what are they hiding? And they're hiding something. And they are hiding something. And we found problems with previous breathalyzers. Uh and those companies should want us to find those problems. Yeah. You know, we we're
1: gonna make their technology better.
0: We didn't uh we didn't uh you know, it didn't lead to lawsuits when the Alco Sensor 4 was pulled from from uh service. Well... There was no no, there was no there was no people, there was no individuals out there. Um, you know, doing a class action lawsuit against intoximeters. No. The AlcoSensor 4 generally is a reliable device, but it had problems. It was a problem with the chip connecting to the board. Um, that is a different issue. But I mean, the point is that like we figured out the problem, protected the public. Why did we figure out the problem? Partially because we had access to the devices and partially because we had disclosure.
1: Yep. And the BAC Data Master C, Uh, uh, my all-time favorite breath testing instrument.
0: It was wonderful. It's a great instrument, but... uh, We
1: have access to it. We're able to look at it. We're able to identify a flaw. You identified a flaw in it. But we're also able to say that comparatively with other technology that is out there, it's actually a pretty solid instrument. As long as you make sure that, you know, you hear the valve click back into place. It's
0: quite reliable. There's no software that you can manipulate to do something that's not supposed to happen uh in the BAC datamaster C. Um it's uh it's just Yeah hey, you a... can really screw with the results of a fuel cell. No, I know you can program a fuel cell to say anything mm-hmm. as we learned as we started messing with it. You can, you can blow three cherries C. and IR. win twenty
1: five thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially if you bring in a duffel bag of money. <laughs> In to near a McLaren. casino near you in <laughs> mclaren to a casino near you all
1: right so on that note i want to end this podcast um by saying two things one i am going to be issuing an invitation to the representative of Drager to come on the podcast really, really, i am really, really, going really, really to good. ask them i will see why if not? they say yes because why not you know the worst they can do is say no which again you know what do you got to hide you don't want to talk to me and secondly plus they told they told some news station that they'd reached out to us well, we never, never got the message then. So please reach out. Come on my podcast. Talk to me about this. Defend your position. And secondly, I'm, because I assume they will not take up my invitation, issuing the challenge to Dreger right now make your technology available to us, sell it to us, give it to us, loan it to us, let us come and do a couple experiments at your office, something to show that you don't have anything to hide. Because I'm going to think cynically about what you're doing if you are going to continue to lie in the shadows and not let us test it. And when we do find a way to obtain it and find a way to test it, you come out and you make statements to the media saying that we're misrepresenting what we're doing when that's not what we're doing. So that's your challenge, Drager.
0: And I echo that challenge to intoximeters and intoxilizers... And Drager, with respect to their alcohol breath testers, um, you know, and Abbott, and Abbott, we'll buy it. We'll, we'll pay for it.
1: Pay full price. Um,
0: we will run it through tests. We will think about, uh, and we'll give you all our data.
1: And we'll happily talk about what works.
0: We'll give you our data if we do some some organized tests, yep. as we've done
1: so that's the challenge that's the end of the podcast tune in next week to find out Ending
0: the podcast with a challenge
1: ending the podcast with a challenge but asking people to tune in next week to find out if dragger actually takes me up on my invitation that will be interesting